We're back. Another edition of Making Money. The financial coach, Ron Hebert, stands by. Retired portfolio manager. I'm Gordon Whitehead, a retired broadcaster. Ron, uh, it seems to me we've hummed this song before. We're talking about the banking issue. Recently, what was it, back about less than a month ago, when Silicon Valley Bank became insolvent. And it sent huge ripples through the markets, uh, and everybody started worrying again about a banking crisis. So let's try to put this into a nutshell. Where do we stand on this? Well, before we got on air, Gord, we were talking about Credit Suisse, and that is the scary one because that is one of those big global banks that lends to everybody everywhere. And it, by having a bank that size go under, it can lead to contagion. Now, because of its size, Credit Suisse uh, was taken over by the Union Bank of Switzerland, which is another Swiss giant bank. And the Swiss government actually uh, pumped, I think, close to $50 billion into that bank to keep it solvent. So people are worried this could cause, uh, you know, this could be like another Lehman Brothers. And we could have another Lehman Brothers moment, and this could be the proverbial canary in the coal mine, so to speak. So there's a lot of worry, especially about the Canadian banks. And so uh, what's what we want to talk about today? Really, the title of our show is, Will U.S. Bank Failures Affect Canada? I, so, I, should, I just point out, too, that I read the story about Credit Suisse. Their largest shareholder is the Saudi National Bank. And, and the Saudis got concerned, right? So do they start pulling their money out? Well, the Saudis actually put $10 billion and took an investment position in, in it. So uh, essentially, the shareholders were not completely wiped out, but they lost a lot of their value. So uh, the Saudi investment arm that takes uh, the petrodollars and, and, and puts them back into the um, and puts them to work, uh, they took a huge haircut on this. So really something to be a little bit concerned about. So let's focus on the Canadian banks. Now, Canadian banks aren't without their issues, but the big key to their success and stability is regulation, is it not? Regulation has certainly helped a lot. And, you know, banks typically borrow in the short-term markets and then use this money to make long-term loans. And this all works really well because historically, Short-term rates are lower than longer-term rates. You're taking on more risk by investing longer-term. And as a result, investors want a higher rate. But essentially, if you're having economic times like we are, and governments are raising short-term rates to fight inflation, you have what can be called the negative spread. In other words, short-term rates go higher than long-term rates. So if your borrowing costs are higher than your lending costs, this can get you into trouble. And this is what's happened to a lot of financial institutions, especially in the U.S., that that tend to be more aggressive in, in Canada. So uh, they lever their balance sheet up, and then all of a sudden interest rates invert, and they get themselves into a lot of trouble. But there's there's lots of reasons that Canadian banks are, are, are different, Gordon, and uh you know, this certainly is going to affect Canadian banks, and I expect to see Canadian banks um, over the next year or two certainly could earn a lot less than they have in the past, but that certainly doesn't put them in a position where they're in financial trouble. And, of course, if you do some com comparisons, like Silicon Valley Bank, specialized in tech companies and venture startups, 
And Canadian banks tend to lend very little to tech companies and have a much more diversified customer base. So that's one of the big differences between the banks that are going under right now and the Canadian banks. It's just they're very diversified in different customer bases. Let me just ask you a question here. Canadian banks, people often talk about, well, things are tough right now. Rates are up. People are having housing problems. They can't afford their mortgages. Have we got any kind of an issue with Canadian banks holding mortgages at all, like we did back in 08? They don't hold uh, mortgages to the same uh, same degree. In other words, if you look at the American banks versus the Canadian banks, for example, um, the average Canadian bank, if they lend out $100, they've got $82 in deposits. American banks, and we're talking about the big ones, and some of the smaller ones are more aggressive, but the big American banks tend to, tend to uh, they'll lend out $100, they only have $60 in deposits. So there's a much bigger gap there between the deposits they have on hand and uh, the amount they're lending out. So Canadian banks generally don't have the runs like the, the U.S. banks do. U.S. banks have really what we call hot money. And if there's any sense that there's a problem, uh, Americans withdraw their money is, it's faster than the speed of light. And investors have actually been pulling money out of U.S. banks for the last three quarters because they're scared. Whereas Canadians, uh, we've been putting money back into our 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 savings accounts. So savings accounts at Canadian banks, because Canadians are not sure what to do right now. And Canadians are a little different. When they're not sure what to do, they just put money in savings and wait until the dust settles. Americans are jumping around and doing things much more volatile down south. So we talked a little bit about the regulation and how we're more tightly regulated in Canada than the U.S. counterparts. They, they seem to bounce from crisis to crisis down there, don't they? That is a very good way of putting it. And remember the savings and loan crisis in the 80s and 90s? And this was commonly dubbed as the SNL crisis. And 32% of the savings and loans in the U.S. during that essentially nine-year period went under. So out of 3,234 different savings and loan associations, 1,043 of them went under. That's 32%. And they ended up closing down, if I, my memory serves me right, they ended up closing down 10,000 uh, storefront operations back then. Whereas in Canada, we essentially sailed through this. In 2007 to 2009, again, another crisis. 38 financial institutions were merged or closed. And this one involved the big guys, not the little guys. And, of course, the U.S. government had to jump in and bail out the entire sector or, uh, frankly, they would have had a meltdown. And our banks sailed through both uh, both crises and they were relatively unscathed. I mean, they bounced around. Canadian banks were down about 35, 40 percent in some cases, but they weren't hit nearly as badly as many American banks, which were trading at cents on the dollar. Uh, until they got the bailout. So American banks tend to have more of that hot money which moves around, and especially even with investors. People buy our Canadian bank stock and tend to hold on to them through thick and thin because the Canadian banks didn't cut their dividends. A lot of American banks were forced to cut their dividends because they had to uh, shore up their balance sheets. So uh, because the Canadian investors are a lot stickier, uh, they... 
they they hang in there through thick and thin. You don't have this this crisis where you've got not only people standing at the teller wanting the money out, but uh, people lining up to sell their stocks either, which is a double whammy for these guys. And American banks take on larger loan risks than Canadian banks do. We're much more conservative. As you say, we're much better regulated. So, yeah, Canadian banks are going to bounce around, but we typically don't have uh, these. Uh, we're not put on death watch like American banks are, it seems like, every 15 years. I just, you know, things rattle around in your memory. Uh, I, w- I was working, of course, during the 80s. That was the Clinton. That Was that the Whitewater? Is that what that was called? Was that what it was, that there was a savings and loan that he was implicated in or something? I can't remember what the exact story was. But Whitewater seems to stick as the name. Yeah, I'm, I'd, I'd have to go look that up, Gord. I'm not I'm, – I, I remember that, the, the, that uh, Clinton was involved in a, in, a, in a kind of a banking scandal, but Kretchen was also involved in a banking scandal back in those days. So, you know, it, uh, it was uh, – especially in the U.S., what you have is you have people going from senior banking positions – senior finance positions you go to work for government and they go back into the financial industry then they work at uh, universities and uh, they tend to rotate around and so you know there's conflicts of interest in the u.s there's insider information which the rest of uh, um, the rest of investors don't have plus americans tendency to pull the trigger first and ask questions later just makes it an entirely different world than we face in Canada. Okay, so let's talk about the Canadian banks. I, I think most of our listeners know who the big the big ones are, the big five, right? And yeah. uh, are we six now? I don't know. I can't keep track anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, the big uh, six banks in Canada are, you know, essentially, they've been down recently as much as 20 to 35%. So, Investors who don't have a position, you know, you might even start uh, looking at them here because, and you can, each one has a little bit different risk profile. Like Scotiabank is uh, got a PE, a price earnings ratio of uh, 9.4, yields 6.1%, so it's got a great dividend here. It gives you exposure not only to Canada, but to South and Central America. Bank of Montreal, uh, PE of 7.5, yield of 47 it gives you exposure to the U.S. and they're rapidly expanding into the U.S. Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce yields 6%, has a P.E. of 11, and gives you exposure mostly to Canada. National Bank, kind of a unique bank, it is across Canada. It's got a P.E. of 10, a yield of 4, and and historically it's been one of the better growing banks. Uh, And it gives you a unique exposure because not only is it uh, exposure across Canada, but it gives you a lot of exposure to Quebec. And Quebec's actually been doing uh, very well recently, especially with their industrial companies uh, really, really thriving. TD Bank, PE of 9.7, yield of uh, 4.7%. They're growing, especially in the U.S. Royal Bank, uh, which has the highest, considered by many right now to be uh, the highest quality of the Canadian banks. It's got a PE of 12.2, yields 4.1%, and gives you U.S. exposure and gives you European exposure as well. So you can look at these banks and even maybe buy a number of them to get exposure to different areas, Gord. So do we hold if we if we have banks? <laughs> I always remember the accountant at the radio station where you and I first met. Her credo was, Gord Whitehead, you buy banks and you never sell them. (laughs) 
Well, yeah, if you you take a look over the years, that's been uh, especially the last 15, 20 years. I mean, Pretty banks good advice. have been growing at 10% plus. You know, you look at the total returns with the dividend and the increase in share price. Uh, they've been, if not the best performing sector, one certainly one of the best the better performing sectors in the top couple in Canada. So if you need banking exposure to your portfolio, be prepared to pick up some here. If you have banks, uh, I continue to hold mine, uh, especially if we go into recession, uh, recession in the second half of the year. Um, you know, you don't have to – investors always look at making decisions that are all or nothing. And I don't view investing like that, Gord. I, I think more along the line of buying and then – buying again and buying again. So in other words, buy in little pieces. If it's down, buy some and sit and wait. If it gets a little cheaper, buy some more. If it gets a little cheaper, buy some more. Unlikely the Canadian banks are going away anytime soon. All right, there you go. Look at the banking sector. Coming up next week on Making Money, we're going to talk a little bit about this new first home savings account. This just sort of kicked in, didn't it, Ron, recently? Brand new, hot off the press as of April 1. Okay, we'll give you more background on it next time around on Making Money. Remember, if you have a question or a show suggestion, you're welcome to contact us. Let's make money.ca is our website or through cfcw.com where the show is hosted. We will be back again next week with another installment. On behalf of the financial coach Ron Hebert, I'm Gord Whitehead. Thanks for joining us. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.